Welcome to Corkscrews and Contracts. I'm Wyatt Wallace. And I'm Jennifer Hamrick. Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to this wonderful podcast, which we have started in the hopes of giving you more information about investing and maybe buying your home for yourself. Uh, and uh, if you have a glass of wine, please do get it out and drink along with us. So today we are going to be speaking with Paul Barbeau. He is an investor slash wholesaler. And we're going to get some stories on how to, well, things he's experienced, but also how to uh, buy investment property with no money down, none of your personal money down. So welcome, Paul. Yeah, thank you. We always love to know where everybody came from. Where are you from, Paul? Yeah, so I'm from, uh, now I'm in the Nashville, Tennessee area, but uh, originally from a small town in Tennessee uh, called Tullahoma. It's about an hour uh, away from Nashville and um, basically ended up in Nashville because, uh, well, number one, it was the closest big city to uh, where I was from. And actually, I, I graduated from college and got a job and moved away to North Carolina for a few years to a small town there. And I, I kept hearing about uh, all these great things going on, Nashville growing, and um, actually listening to other people's stories in the Nashville market um, and the real estate booming and everything. So I was like, I've got to get back to Nashville. And so um, long story short, I made my way back and uh, with the with the hopes of starting a a real estate business that would pay the bills for me and um, so here I am. A quick question because I know we have listeners from everywhere. Uh, I know you said North Carolina. What part of North Carolina and you did investment, you had investment property there, correct? Yes. Okay. I was in a town uh, close to Winston-Salem and I bought, uh, first thing I did was I, I saved up money, uh, lived frugally you know, when I first got my first job and all that and uh, saved up enough money to buy a duplex. And uh, so that was my first property. Um, anyway, it was, uh, it was kind of a disaster. Oh, no. But um, I had, yeah, I've got several horror stories from that. I tried to manage it myself. I had um, some bad tenants in there. But uh, luckily the, the lady that I bought it from, I bought it directly from the owner and she was kind of my mentor and she helped me out. She had fixed up, flipped, uh, done a lot of rental properties, had a lot of rentals, and um, so she she helped me out a lot just by having the confidence to know that I had somebody there to help me when I needed help. I bought that, owned it for about a year, uh, tried to sell it. I had a neighbor that was extremely junky, and that hurt me from selling it for a long time. I finally got that man to clean up his stuff, and I uh, was able to sell it, and um, for a small gain it was but the so in other words I didn't make much money on it but it was a great experience and it helped me to gain confidence to invest again and I knew that I knew that's that's what I wanted to do very cool we have uh, our experience with junkie neighbors too uh, what kind of stuff was junkie um, <laughs> and so he this guy was a kind of a traditional pack rat and yeah I've heard you guys story and um, <laughs> Yeah, it sounded like almost the same same story, but this guy had, um, he had washers and dryers. He was running a washer and dryer fix business out of his yard. Oh. Um, turns out he knew his rights from being in the county that they didn't have any laws about mowing your grass. 
about junkiness in general. And um, so he just knew that he didn't have to clean it up. So uh, we actually ended up wait, waiting until the, the bushes grew back in the spring and kind of hid some <laughs> of the junk in his yard. Wow. And I finally got a contract that was uh, acceptable. And so, yeah, sometimes you, that's a, for new investors, I, you know, that's definitely a hurdle. If you have a junkie neighbor, either have a plan to um, help them out or help them help themselves, or just don't buy that deal. Don't buy your first house, don't buy your first flip, don't buy your first rental um, where your neighbors are gonna be a problem. That is great advice. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Man, that uh, saves a lot of heartache, a lot of money. Some people are like, well, I don't know what to do, you know? And, um, you know, that clock just keeps ticking on your money if you're not out of it quickly enough, so, especially in the flipping business. Yes. Um, gosh, so, uh, so that investment uh, with the duplex, how long did you have that? That was about a year, um, maybe a year and a half. So not very long because I, I made my plan, uh, wrote down my goals. Basically, I want to move back to Nashville, uh, start my business. And so I did without selling that. And uh, basically, I was, I was managing it from afar. And then um, and after I got back here, uh, you know, I was trying to sell it. And it sat on the market, sat on the market. No tenants in it. I'm paying the bills every month. Um, so, yeah, about a year and a half. And uh, in the meantime, I'd bought my personal residence, which uh, I knew I'd bought um, with some equity in it, uh, got it, actually it was a deal off Craigslist. Uh, and actually the duplex was off Craigslist. That's a, a good tip for, for newer investors as well. Uh, Craigslist, you can, find some, you can find some jewels here and there. And um, so I uh, bought it directly from seller uh, and it had been smoked in it needed new flooring, needed paint, needed uh, a lot of odd and end stuff. And uh, so I lived in it and uh, slowly fixed it up. And I, I turned around one day and I said, wow, this thing's uh And also the appreciation in the Nashville market helped me to have some, some money there. And um, so I put it on the market and sold very quickly. Uh, and, and thanks in large to uh, Nashville's uh, housing market <laughs> and uh, it sold very quickly and I had some money in my pocket I had uh, the the my down payment plus about another uh, down payments worth so my thought was okay I'm gonna uh, buy another personal residence and buy another house to flip mm -hmm. this is gonna be real easy and uh, then I can just do it again and again and again and again and uh, and then buy some rentals along the way so um, at that same time, I'd quit my job, and I was just looking for flips. Uh, I thought that was going to be my path. Uh, long story short, I never found another flip. <laughs> it was about a year. A year had gone by, and I'd done everything I knew to do to, to try and find a flip property in the Nashville area. And um, so I said to myself, I've got to do something different. Um, so I took... I found a way that I could take the money that I had in my pocket and buy a 32-unit apartment complex. And um, 32 units—that's a big deal. Yeah, it, it it turned out to be uh, it was it was 
scary definitely at first, but it turned out to be uh, hopefully one of the best decisions of my life. Um, and so now I, I went from being a house flipper uh, that would never flip more than one house to, uh, <laughs> to an apartment owner. Wow. So, so now, uh, how, how, how big was that jump mentally? You know, to go, oh, I've got one property suddenly dealing with, what, 32 other individuals and maybe their families and the whole bit. It can take people a long time to get to 32 doors. Right, right. And, I, and that's, uh, I'll be honest with you, it's, uh, it is a, it's a mental hurdle. And that's probably 90% of it. And I, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't like I just jumped right into it. I spent, um, we were under contract for probably, I think it was two months and to buy it. And it, I felt like I was going to throw up <laughs> um, most of the time. And then even after I, I took over the property and um, I, it was still, I felt ill for, for a while. Is this, you know, what happens if all this stuff goes wrong at once? What happens if um, my manager quits uh, in the middle of the night? What happens if this or that? And um, it, it did take a little while for me to finally be able to relax and, uh, and know that, you know, the tenants are gonna pay rent and, you know, it's, everything's gonna be all right. You will have problems, but you'll be able to get over them. If you'd like to be an on-air guest, ask questions, give ideas, or feedback for the podcast, sign up on our website at corkscrewsandcontracts.com and let us hear about it. If you're in the Nashville area, please join us for the monthly Middle Tennessee Investors and Wholesalers Network Happy Hour. Two hours of pure networking and deal-making. You'll meet brand new investors and wholesalers, all the way up to those that buy hotels. You can find more information and sign up on our website at corkscrewsandcontracts.com. Don't miss it. How did you find that opportunity? So that was um, about the time I decided I wasn't going to make it in the house flipping business. I started, uh, and, and like I said, I had some I money. That. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I had some this money. Isn't working. I got to do something different for right. real. I, 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 I saved up money and... Um, so I, I sold all my properties and I moved back in with my parents for about eight months. And during that time, uh, there was a lot of pressure for me to, to do something with my life. Everybody was looking at me I like, uh, <laughs> everybody was looking at me like, uh, uh, shouldn't you get a job? Uh, <laughs> you're laying around the house all day, not doing anything for months and months and months. <laughs> And uh, it, it was tough, um, but I, so, but what they didn't know is I was I was sending out mail, I was calling brokers, I was going to meetups mm. constantly, multiple times a week, and uh, I found a broker in my area who lists uh, a lot of multifamily, small multifamily, anywhere from uh, you know five units to to fifty, let's say, and um, I struck up a relationship with him and. I kept bugging him, hey, uh, you know, uh, do you have any deals coming up? Do you have any deals? No, no, I may have something here, there, no, no. And uh, I kept kept calling, kept calling. And um, finally he said, uh, yeah, he said, I've got something. I've got a deal. He said, uh, you're going to need some partners on it. I said, okay, no big deal. I can raise the money. Um, 
so he took me by this property and uh, we took a look at it and, and I knew where the property was. I always just thought it was too big for me to, to take on. And he said, the, uh, the owner, he wants to finance uh, part of it, keep him from uh, paying capital gains tax on the money. Oh, great. So Fantastic. Said, right. And I said, I said, okay. And I, I knew what to do. I knew that if the owner finances a part of it, the bank will potentially let you bring less money down. So anyways, I was able to put a lesser down payment on this property and and tackle a twice as big of a property than than uh, I had the money for basically. Hmm. And so he said that and um, you know, I looked at it, looked at the cash flow and everything and and uh, you know, wrote a contract and it worked out. So closed two months later. That's amazing. So you mean to tell me that the bank looked at the combined uh, additions to the table between you and the seller and said, okay, we don't actually need as much skin in the game on this deal. We can come in with more of our own to help you out. Correct. Yep. Wow. And the bank is in, uh, it's, it gets kind of hairy in the financing, but uh, the bank, if they ever did have to foreclose on the property, they're in a very good position. They get the first chunk of money that would come from the sale. And so, but obviously they have to believe in you as a person and they have to believe in the property. And so, but it's, that's a great tool for anybody out there who's looking to buy a first property. I know people that have done um, zero down deals that way um, and they were able to not have any partners just based on the, the owner carrying a second mortgage, so. Did you have to go more towards like a private bank or were you able to use, is that what you uh, It used? was a local bank. A local bank? A local okay. bank. Uh-huh. Actually, the, the bank that I used uh, when I opened my first bank account, you know, <laughs> when, I was, when I was a kid, I'd been making it with them for a long time and uh, kind of had, had a relationship, so that definitely helps out your credibility if you make, make a relationship with your, your bankers. And I don't care if you're an investor buying your first house or, um, or whatever, your banker is uh, one of your most important partners. You know, I, I feel like, you know, in, in the fast and the glitz and glamour of, ooh, let's hurry up and get rich and, and do all this and, you know, fly in private jets, people forget about <laughs> the relationship with people. Mm -hmm. Literally, because they had known you since you were a child, it was so much easier, you had you had the memories and they had the memories of you coming in maybe with your parents to set up a bank account and yes. or, and so the the opportunity for them is so much greater because they know you're they know you not just the deal and you don't have to build a rapport with someone mm -hmm. they say oh that's just paul mm -hmm. as opposed to this is paul and his investment company and hopefully things will work out um, i found that in some of our deals too that the local banks can be far more helpful um, and, and they do, they appreciate that. Just, uh, you know, whether you've gone to high school with a few of the people that work there or, or what have you, it makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and Paul even said that he built a relationship with a wholesaler. So it just goes to show you can be more successful once you build relationships with people in the real estate market and they can help teach you or find things for you once you've built those relationships. Yes, yeah, relationships are very key. You were telling us a little bit of a story about uh, about a guy that you found in the woods <laughs> at, at one of your properties. Yes. What what happened? What is the story with that? 
And so this was uh, last week, it, it was this property uh, we're talking about now, it was the 32 units. And um, I pulled up to the property. I, I, my, my goal is to visit my properties at least once a week. And so uh, at this time we had uh, an electrical problem in one of our units and, and I was coming by to check on the repair. And um, I saw some smoke coming out of what looked, I pulled up and I thought it was one of the buildings and uh, I got closer and I realized it was coming from the woods and I was thinking, man, is it, are the woods <laughs> on fire? And um, I got over there and anyways, one of, one of our residents had, had built basically a campsite in the woods <laughs> with, he built a fire, he had um, like a, like a fort with a couch in it <laughs> and, um, and it was hidden in the woods so you know my manager hadn't seen it and uh, it just so happened that I was the first one to lay eyes on it and uh, <laughs> so anyway I, I had to go over there and tell him that wasn't allowed put your fire out sir um, what apartment are you in <laughs> and so yeah, it was it was it was pretty comical but you know it's one thing about it in in the multifamily business, you've got to keep a, a close eye on on what goes on, and uh, make sure that your managers know what's acceptable and what's not, as well. So sounds like you couldn't just put that on autopilot and just hope that the management company took care of things. Right. In that situation, it might have been a couple of days before they found it, and he could have burned down part of the woods over there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, or the building. Or the building. Right. Oh, now, man. I don't doubt that the management company would have eventually found him. I just happened to be the one that rode up on him. But, yeah, it's, there's stuff that goes on that you just got to shake your head. <laughs> <laughs> Any other stories you got for us? <laughs> um, so, yeah, matter of fact, there was a – I had a partner on a, a deal and we just closed uh, a few weeks ago actually and it's a it was a 57 unit complex in Tennessee and so we noticed that one of the residents hadn't opened his door in about a week because we once we took over the property we um, we put mailers in the in the door saying uh, here's a new property management company so um, yeah, we found this piece of this piece of mail a week later was still stuck in his door that said uh, "Welcome, we're the new management company," and and so actually the the manager was on another property at the time, and myself and my partner happened to so we happened to be the ones to go over there, knock on the door. Is anybody home? We don't know. Um, reach for the doorknob, and it was unlocked. That was kind of mysterious, and um, we opened the door, and there's somebody laying in the floor. Oh, and we thought, "Wow, is this man sleeping? Uh, what's going on?" But it turned out uh, he'd passed away. Oh, and, wow! Right, and so we we were the first ones to walk in on him, and um, anyway, called the police. They came, did an investigation. He died of natural causes. Mm. Um, we hope he hadn't been there too long, but yeah, it was. So anyway, <laughs> you're liable to run into anything, yeah. you know, when you got several residences like that. But um, that that is, yeah. I mean, you people are living their normal lives, right? And you with have to, your help, you know, by providing housing. But 
people live in houses and that's a lot of their lives and that can happen. Yeah, yeah, that happens and, and man, everything else in the world, bugs, pets, uh, all kinds of gross stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so if, uh, you know, if you want to become a landlord, you either have to deal with that or, you know, you got to have people that, uh, that can on your team. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's stuff people they don't think of before they buy a property. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, oh, it's gonna be great. I buy my first rental property and uh, you know, money in the bank every month. And uh, but yeah, no, it's it's work. It's a lot of work. Um, my personal philosophy is to if you're just starting out, scale up as fast as you can to where you can have people working for you or have management, a higher management company to, to take care of um, your stuff. And then eventually, if you're going to be an investor full-time, your, your job needs to be to maybe 20% take care of your property. Um, and that's take care of your management company, make sure they're doing the right thing. The rest of your time should be focused on meeting people, um, finding deals, and finding investors to invest in those deals with you. Be sure to sign up for the Home Buyers Seminar February 28th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. at Wilson Bank and Trust. That's 4736 Andrew Jackson Parkway, Hermitage, Tennessee, 37076. And for more information, check out our website at corkscrewsandcontracts.com. So how often, like per week, do you check in with your, your company? that manages the property? Uh, several times a week I'm on the phone with, with my point of contact and then uh, as of now my, my goal is to visit my properties once a week. Now if, uh, that's just because they're within an hour's drive of where I live. Mm -hmm. Now if I was to uh, buy something in Arizona then obviously I wouldn't be able to check on it as often. Mm -hmm. I'd have to rely on the management company more but I think even still I would I would probably make a plan to um, lay eyes on the property uh, once every couple weeks, you know. Yeah. We've known each other for a little while here. Uh -huh. And at some point we had talked about um, an eightplex. Uh -huh. uh, if, uh, details, there's a lot of, it's quite an interesting story. Um, and I don't know how much you can share with us about that. But um, what are some of the things that tenants can do um, that can become issues with other, like can can make a deal more difficult. Right, right. Um, well, I guess that, yeah, actually, uh, you called me one day and said, hey, uh, I heard you got a, this eightplex for sale. I'm gonna drive by it. <laughs> I did, yes. And I was like, really, yeah. And so, uh, and so Wyatt went down and, and, and checked it out and uh, you know, actually made an offer on it and uh, ended up, um, you know, I sold it to somebody else and they, uh, anyway, they're in the process of rehabbing it now, but yeah, it was in a, it was a bad, badly, badly, badly managed property. And, um, yeah, come to, came to find out that, um, well, the owner that I bought it from, he was in financial distress and he, he was horrible, horrible manager. He would let just anybody move in, let anybody, um, okay, uh, if you'll fix up what needs to be fixed, I'll waive your deposit on the property 
on the on the rent that kind of thing and so I owned it for a brief period of time and then I sold it to another fella and he's he's been having to deal with these with the tenant issues in court um, no documentation wow. I moved in the person that gave me my uh, let me move in I worked for my deposit so now you owe me money back or you owe me you need to let me stay on the property for another uh, few months and so at that point it's up to the judge and uh, if there's no documentation it's their uh, their word against yours kind of thing so I would say to to any new landlords or existing documentation is so key even if you're buying a property make sure you get the leases make sure um, you know that all your T's are crossed and I's are dotted because it's going to be a headache and your your tenants um, you know I'd hate to say that people would just pull one over on you but they will pull one over on you <laughs> if they can yeah or now that that new person has something wrong with our property. <laughs> right, right. Wow, that's some scary stuff that can happen. Yeah. You'd mentioned, uh, thanks so much for sharing that, yeah. uh, you'd mentioned talking or harassing the broker for quite a while on what uh -huh. he had going on, deals, that sort of thing. At this point, how do you best find deals? How do you market? Do you do, you do mailers? Are you a, uh, like a phone call kind of guy? Or how does that work? Yeah, that's a good question because, uh, you know, I, I am looking for my next investment. And uh, as of right now, it's it's going to meetups, meeting other people that, that do what I do, look for multifamily investments. Um, I'm always on the, on the hunt for, uh, I like to drive for dollars, honestly. If I find a market that I like, um, just drive around and look for a distressed property and it's you know it's not that hard to get in touch with an owner tax records uh, there may be even a, a phone number on the side of the building you know for and you know you'll get in touch with the, the leasing manager but uh, if you're nice to them they could probably put you in touch with the owner of the property and uh, but yeah I think uh, relationships with brokers are very important because they're gonna be the majority of the deal flow and then other than that if it's a hot market like it is now, I think you do have to get creative. Well, once you find the property, what do you look at to say, oh, this is what I want to do mm -hmm. moving forward. I want to purchase this property or no, I need this is I need to stay away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the uh, I've already got some criteria, you know, in my head. It needs to be in a, a, a decent neighborhood. We'll call it. Um, C-class or better. Um, the right now I'm investing in rural areas, but there are they do have strong local economies, strong job pools. Um, I would never invest somewhere where there's uh, say like a population decline. Um, but yeah, there's one of the big things for me is it needs to have some way for me to add value. It needs to it needs to either be distressed or the owner didn't feel like going up on the rents or or something like that so right now uh, my properties are we're going through as tenants move out we'll renovate the unit and get a new rental rate in place and so that helps the property it increases the value and um, and increases cash flow as well 
So there's got to be some sort of opportunity there to, even if you're buying it at market value and then you increase the rents by putting money into it, the property's going to be worth more and, uh, you know, it's going to be, your, your payday will be down the road. What would you say is your percentage on, um, you know, as far as talking to owners, what is your percentage of the ones that say, okay, I'm thinking I might sell? Like, how many do you have to talk to before you get to a, oh, okay, well, you seem like an interesting person. I'll continue this conversation. Um, maybe one in 10. And it, it depends on how you get in contact with them. If it's a market that you know, you know, say it's a, it's a town of 50,000 people. There might be, let's say you've got 10 properties that you want to target. You know, it's not that hard to find those owners. If you, if you look hard enough, you know, get in, get in contact with them. But yeah, usually they'll, they'll talk to you and they'll even say, oh, you know, you're a, you're a new investor. Oh, good deal. You know, no, nah, I don't want to sell right now. Uh, call me in 10 years or no, nah, I'm passing this property to my kids or whatever. But, um, you, and also with large multifamily deals, usually you're dealing with a sophisticated person that owns that or a company. And so they're not just going to sell. They would rather have a broker fully market their property mm. than just sell to, you know, anyone off the street for X dollars. Right. But um, it is a numbers game. If you want to find a, a good deal, it's going to take getting in touch with a lot of people. Like one in ten, that's not bad. Yeah, one in ten will sell, but uh, for a for a price, you may have to pay dearly. <laughs> <laughs> I know that um, you did zero money down for your last deal. Yes. And I wanted to get into more detail about that because so many people don't have the money they need or they feel like they need to get into real estate. And that's something people really want to know. How do you do that? Yeah, great question. Yeah, and so um, I had another deal come uh, to me. And uh, it was a directly to the, the owner reached out to me and said, hey, uh, I'm thinking about selling this property. And I said, I'm out of money. I have... <laughs> um, Real talk. Yeah, I said, I, and I definitely don't have that kind of money um, for a down payment. And so... And I'd heard about, you know, ways ways to make money in real estate with no money down. You can and you can do it with a house. You can do it with apartments, uh, whatever you want to, whatever you're looking at. But um, basically, so you find someone that's got money that needs a place to invest it, and then you either bring the deal or you you're the hustle. You're the one that's um, taking care of the property, or the you know. So anyway, what I did was I I reached out. I got on the phone started calling every contact that I knew that um, was in was potentially interested in real estate. And I said, hey, I've got a deal. Uh, I'm looking to raise money for it. And um, anyway, I found a, a great partner and we were able to make it happen. He had some money that was um, that he needed to go to work. And I was was very interested in, in uh, apartment investing. And so anyway, we teamed up and bought that property. So it was uh, it was an amazing way for me to get my foot in a property with none of my own money, and um, so like I said, you can do this if you're just if you're starting out. You can do this with just one single family home. Go to somebody that has um, that has money, an uncle, someone from the meetup group, and say, 
uh, hey, I found this great deal. Hey, I know you're still working a full-time job or you don't have any interest in um, going and dealing with dogs and termites and bed bugs. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, so let's partner. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's another fantastic way to, to get started. Well, I think it's important to know that if you're that person, if you're the hustle, if you're the person that can find those deals, that is super valuable. And then you got to know your numbers so you can present those right to the other party. So the other party knows, okay, so how much do I need to put in? How much do I get back? How right. soon do I get it back? And how much else do I need to do? Do I need to provide knowledge or connections or equipment or anything to this deal? And then at the end of the day, it's about return on investment. Correct. Yeah. And I, I think um, the people that are going to invest with you are people that, uh, and if you hadn't heard this before, they, they need to know, like, and trust you, obviously. And so it's, it's probably going to be people that you know, like I said, in your network, in your power base, you know, people from your meetup groups, family members. And um, yeah, they, and, and as long as you're a good person, and even if, even if, you don't even know a lot about real estate and they can teach you then as long as you're a good person and honest and they can like I said know like and trust you they know you're gonna get the job done and they're gonna get their money back so that's that's important it goes back to all those relationships that you need to build um, if yes. this is something you're interested in what kind of tips would you give to someone who is looking to do what you do you know like just beginning you know, I see these, yeah, I can buy books. Who would you read or, you know, okay, tips in that direction. Yeah, I know is what you're asking. Absolutely. Yeah, so I guess um, I've had a lot, of, a lot of things happen in the last, say, six months. And um, I've had actually yeah, th three big deals. Um, but I had been reading books and uh, listening to books on tape, listening to podcasts uh, since, so now we're in 2019, and I, I actually joined our Nashville Investors, our local, our biggest club. I joined it in 2013, wow. and so I've been trying to educate myself for, what is that, six years, and it was probably three years before I ever bought my first deal, before I ever got the, um, the confidence, so... You know, it, it, it actually took me a long time to, to, to get my stuff together to, to buy my first property. So, yeah, but, but like I said, in the meantime, I was, I was uh, just educating myself as much as I could, meeting as many people as I could. And um, you, can, you can make it happen for sure with the right people in your network and the right education. Well, I wanted to ask if you could do it all over again, would you have done it sooner? Because you said you waited that time period to gain your confidence. Would you have done it sooner? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So don't let that stand, like the lack of confidence stand in the way. Just kind of go ahead and go in. Correct. Um, and I think, yeah, and the, the, the easiest way to do that is, is partner. Partner with somebody that has experience. And um, I mean, even if you're, whatever, if you're still in high school, you know, or, or any phase after that, um, just get started as fast as you can. Uh, you're only gonna be limited by how much action you can take and, um, and your network. 
That's great awesome. advice. That's great advice. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else that we haven't asked you that you'd love to add at all? This has been great. Um, I don't think so, but if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. And um, anyway, thank you guys. That's awesome. We'll put those links on the website as well. All right. I would also like to share if you're ever in the Nashville area, um, we have an investors and wholesalers network. Paul is a member of that. It's a happy hour once a month where you can, um, it's just meet wholesalers. It's linking the investors and the wholesalers together to find those deals. So that's also on our website. You can check it out. And if you, you know, it's, it's good enough to fly in for if you're that far away. <laughs> on your private jet. Right. We'd love to have you. Thanks, Paul, so much. This has been great. All right. Thanks, guys. This has been a production of Corkscrews and Contracts. Podcast copyright 2019.